Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Caffeine, nicotine, and Levine. Three things that should never be consumed in large doses. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, uh, coming to you as we close out the month of September. And October is right around the corner. Ooh, boy. Um, Yeah, my birthday. I know. October is the best month there is. All right, in tonight's show... uh, way pre-recorded because I'm traveling and I'll talk about that in a minute but uh, a tobacco review by request of John Marr from Cornell and Deal and then my guest is another previous guest Scott Klein who was on you know almost seven years ago and we'll get caught up with what Scott's doing he's got a lot of new stuff going on uh, mailbag by or music by suggestion mailbag and a Norwegian rave All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Remember, next weekend, coming up next weekend, the first weekend here in October, is the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers uh, show at the Sutliff Tobacco Factory. I will be there all day. I hope to see a whole bunch of you there. And I want you all to come by my table where I won't be... (laughs) Won't be doing much more than recording you and your uh, and your thoughts of what the uh, of what the pipe factory looks like and what the show is, and uh, we'll do some fast five final questions. So make sure and find me. I'll have a little table set up and be recording right there. I hope to see a whole bunch of you there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, where else can you see uh, Perry Jensen, Russ Willett, and uh, Jeremy Reeves all in the same place? Yeah, that's that's the new modern Three Stooges. Anyway, uh, looking forward to that. And yes, I'm back down at Walt Disney World because as a travel planner, I got invited to an event for the end of the Illuminations Reflections of Earth show, which is one of my favorite shows. And I think in the past we've played a uh, a song that they use for the uh, during Christmas. We've played that. And uh, anyway, sad to see the show go, but uh, glad I get to see it uh maybe two, three, four more times. It's so, uh, looking forward to it. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and now we're talking Cornell and Deal's John Marr. Uh, Apparently it's from the Melville at Sea poems. Uh, If you Google search the name John Marr, you also find out that the first Confederate soldier killed in the Civil War was named John Marr. So uh, lots of people named John Marr. Anyway, this is based off of some Melville poems. And again, I've never been accused of being too organized, so I'm going to apologize. I forget who suggested John Marr to me. Uh, I'm sure I've got the notes somewhere, but I can't find them. 
Uh, but thank you for suggesting it, whoever you are. Uh, the description is as reads, a poetic mixture of bright and red Virginias with a good portion of Turkish leaf elevated by a genial portion by genial portions of Perique and black Cavendish and topped with the flavors of bourbon and vanilla. Cornell and Deal's John Marr is an unparalleled voyage of sweet complexity. Ooh, I mean, that just sounds so good right there. <laughs> yeah, you had me at Turkish and Perique. Um, so anyway, this is a, um, this would be classified as an aromatic. However, I'm going to really classify this as a true hybrid. Uh, upon opening it, um, it's a beautiful blend of a mix of orange and yellows and greens from the Turkish and the dark leaf of the Perique and the black Cavendish, which is kind of sprinkled in there. Uh, moisture content. I like this. It's a little wetter than what, uh, than what I would have expected from Cornell and deal, but it's perfect at, it's got the perfect smoking mixture or smoking moisture for what is essentially an aromatic. Uh, and again, there's a lot of good long leaf in there. And this is one of Cornell and Deal's two-ounce cans. So instead of 50 grams or 1.76 ounces, you get a full two ounces, and the can is packed pretty tight. Um, now, with this being an aromatic, I don't think there's any need whatsoever really to age it. I don't think, uh, I think maybe a year or so would, would help it a little bit. Um, on the nose, I really don't get any of the bourbon. Uh, I get more of the Turkish, the Virginias, and the Vanillas. Uh, in packing it, I've packed it a couple different ways. Loose, tight, small bowl, big bowl. Uh, because of the moisture content of it, I think it works better in a slightly larger pipe than a smaller pipe because the you, know, you, you want that moisture to have room to go. Or, you know, room to go when, it, when you get it lit up. Uh, Taste-wise, now I'm going to... I'm going to say this with uh, keeping in mind that my taste buds have been inundated by Virginia Periques and black coffee for so long that this is a, when it says complexity, I got delicate. Uh, I got a lot of little delicate flavors. I didn't get a lot of flavor. I didn't get a lot of intensity. The room note was very pleasant. You don't get a lot of the Perique room note. You get more of the aromatic room note. Um, smoked well, smoked all the way down to the bottom with most of the most of the bowls. And and again, it even during smoking it, I wasn't getting overwhelmed by the uh, the vanilla and bourbon flavors. I was getting more of the Virginia and more of the um, more of the Turkish flavors. So you combine that with the toppings, and you know what? It's just a, uh, I'm going to use this as a tobacco that when I'm around people that I, you know, kind of like and don't want to gas them out <laughs> with my Perique, um, I may pull this out and use it because, yeah, yeah, you get some flavor, and I know I'm smoking, but it's not an overly strong blend, didn't leave a bad aftertaste. Uh, now, on TobaccoReviews.com, it averaged uh, 3.3 stars, and I'm going to use uh, an emeritus account, which means one that was uh, one that was probably shut down, or 
<laughs> didn't uh, didn't hasn't renewed. Uh, but he gave it four stars and says simple simply scrumptious. Everything is in this blend that a piper will enjoy. All proportions are well balanced and play very well together. The addition of bourbon and vanilla is just an added bonus. The aromatics are not over the top and let the Virginia and Turkish come through. Easy to light, stays lit and not gooey, billows of spice with a nice medium nicotine lift. And he smoked it in a Sheraton sandblast and had it aged a week. Uh, and I, I like what he said about the, you know, the, the flavors coming through. Uh, now, on the critical side, Stevie B gave it two stars and said, uh, unfortunately, I'm not as enthralled with the smoke as the other reviews to date. On the positive side, it has an exemplary, an exemplary burning qualities, doesn't bite, and has a medium temperature. Uh, the rest of John Marr warrants two stars from me. The vanilla comes over a little stronger for the first third, but is overtaken by the sour bourbon. The tobaccos, the black Cavendish is non-existent. The Turkish Virginia and the, the Turkish Virginia Burley are equal in weight. And the Perique gives just enough, uh, <laughs> gives just enough causticity to ruin it. <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't pick up any Burleys in there, so maybe he, uh, smoked something different, but, uh, he said the room note was tolerable to strong. So I think this is somebody who's a little sensitive to flavor. Uh, he did smoke it in a Morta, which is interesting because yeah, Morta is going to change the way it reacts. Anyway, for those of you that are looking for a tobacco flavored based, uh, slightly aromatic, John Marr is a great choice. Uh, it's a great choice to kind of transition from aromatics into Virginia's maybe, or if you're trying to go from Virginia's into something that might have a little bit more pleasant room note, highly recommend John Marr from Cornell and Deal. All right. In just a moment, my conversation with Scott Klein. This is internet radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this. And you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and continuing with the theme of catching up with uh, catching up with people that were on the show in the early days. And, you know, those brave souls that jumped right in with me, not knowing exactly what all this thing was about. But uh, coming back on the show again is uh, Scott Klein. And Scott, the first time you were on the show, it aired in November of 2012. So I'm assuming, oh, wow. yeah, I'm assuming a few things have uh, changed in the almost seven years, but uh, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. 
Well, thanks for having me, Brian. All right. So be, let, let's go back. Uh, I think when you were last on, you were living in Chicago and working just as a full-time pipe maker. And now you've moved to Nashville and you're doing a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we last talked, I think I've been doing it a few years and I've got a good, good ways over a decade now. So yeah, quite a bit's changed. Moved to Nashville. I'm engaged now. Uh, lot, lots changed. Yeah. And I like her. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> well, that's just cause we're, we're both Disney fanatics. So that, that makes it easy. Well, and that's why she likes you too. Yeah. So. Well, everybody likes me until they marry me. Um, or get to know you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so why the... Um, all right, so so when we last talked, you were doing purely handmade, high-grade pipes. Um, why the move to Nashville? You know, when I was in Chicago, it was, it was kind of a, a circumstance. I, all my family was there. Even all my distant relatives were there. And close relative, I mean, everybody was there. And one by one, they moved away. So right around 2013, 14, I was pretty much left alone there. So I was kind of left to decide if I want to stay or go. And about the first time I got away from Chicago on a real vacation, which I had never had before, I went south. The moment I hit warm weather in the middle of winter, I was sold. <laughs> I was gone for good. <laughs> so, so you don't want to shovel snow anymore? No, in fact, I uh, when I moved, I ceremoniously burned my snow shovel. I had a little bonfire out back because, you know, you're not supposed to have these big bonfires, but you're allowed to have a little one. So I chopped it up and I burned my shovel and a couple other little pieces of snow gear and swore I'll never go back. And not that I don't love the North. I absolutely do. But I refuse to ever, you know, be forced to shovel snow again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to go back because you introduced me to Lou Malnati's pizza so you have to go back at least during the you know for the show for the chicago pipe show and get a pizza oh yeah yeah like i said i love going back i've, I've still got a few friends up there and my mentor alex he's up there so i love going back and i you know it's a great place to visit but i've i've had my fill of the the cold and the snow <laughs> so was your was your intent to just move to nashville and just you know continue making pipes full-time yeah, yeah, that was the plan, and still kind of remains the same, you know. Moved to Nashville, established, a, you know, permanent roots, and start trying to find somewhere to, you know, live permanently. I'm looking for a more permanent home, and, you know, just trying to live a comfortable life that I, you know, was on my terms. Whereas in Chicago, I was born there. It's it's just kind of what I was, you know, destined to do was live in the cold and all of that, and I just, that's not what I wanted so when was, you'll you'll have to um i think i know these answers but you'll have to explain to everybody the uh scott's pipes is now broken up into several segments um talk us through the uh talk us through all the scott's pipes stuff okay so the one segment we've got display and storage things like that swag uh, ancillary items and that's all fairly straightforward you can find it all on the website what we have so far anyway um, but as far as the pipes we've tried to create a, a good wide range we're trying to have something for the everyday smoker and the, the budget smoker all the way up to 
you know, with my exclusive handmaids, which is still under a different brand, but with those, everything up to the luxury end. So I now have a real good range of products across the board where you can have something from on a sale, you can get a burner on, on our very best sale. I think we had it at $30 and then all the way up to uh, the most expensive handcrafted we have is our smooths that are coming out will be 185. I think the, the most expensive one's 190. So break it down for us. The, the burners, that's kind of your, your entry level and, I guess maybe us old guys might call them like, uh, you know, board pipes. They're the ones that are just kind of hanging out on a board in a pipe shop and you walk up and pick one out. But uh, how are you making, are you, are you making them in Nashville? Or are you buying parts and pieces and putting them together? So what happened initially is I bought a few from a gentleman that had them, uh, I can't remember where he was out of. He was down south. But then, in essence, what we did is buy out the remainder of a French factory, which included the stumble and stem together. And then they were real rough. They were just basically drilled and put together and real rough shaped. And we bought out all of those. So we have a real good quantity of them. And then I just developed a real good process as to getting a better fit to them because they were a little bit wonky when we got them. And, uh, real good finish and and overall finish quality with a real good branding behind it and that's basically how i went about it so these might be some uh, pretty old pieces of wood that have been sitting around in france for a long time yeah yeah they've been sitting around since i was told somewhere in the late 50s early 60s up to at the at the very most recent mid 60s and that would explain why some of the shapes look that they might be on the smaller side or a little bit lighter, lighter shape design. And, uh, but yeah, I'm looking at the website right now and standard price, $49 for a pipe that's been hand finished and aged for you know, longer than we've been alive. Yep. Uh, yep. They're, they're a real good value. Yeah. And then the S Klein design, that's kind of like your, your next step up. Am I correct? Yeah. So the way I, I kind of phrase it to customers, because they're all great pipes, but when people come by and ask, you know, what's the what's the step up here? I always say it's kind of like good, better, best. You know, the the burners are good, and they're real good pipes. And the S Klein design is is better. You know, it's it's a step up. You're getting something that I designed and and finished. And then the handcrafted is the final step, which is taken from a, a block of briar all the way down to a pipe. Are the uh, are are the S Klein design is that ebonite on the stem material? No, no. All of the uh, Scotts pipes have acrylic to date on all of the lines, but we're working to get ebonite. It's it's a process. The factories that used to do it don't do it anymore. The little bit that is in production is super super expensive and pretty much cost prohibitive. So, if you order in massive quantities, apparently you can do it. So we're we're working on it, but it's. Everything's a process, and that includes things like stems and even stem colors and stem sizes, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But even acrylic, I mean, a, a, acrylic is not as cheap as, as vulcanite, and that means that they're going to stay clean for forever for you. Acrylic ends up being a little bit, che- at least now, acrylic is cheaper than uh, vulcanite. Yeah, it does. Once you buff it up, it'll stay like that forever. You can leave it out in the sun for you know, weak and the pipe will be bleach, bleach blonde, but the stem will still be 
right about where you left it. Yeah, I used to love cleaning acrylic stems because it was really easy. Everything came right off yeah. of them, and they'd they'd get real nice and shiny. <laughs> yep, yep, some kind of moisture on a paper towel or something, and you can get it right off. And they're really durable. I mean, you really can you can clamp down on it with your teeth and forget it. Yeah, you know, the the worst you're going to do is maybe put a dent in it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, and with some of the colors that you're doing there, I'm assuming you got a whole bunch of acrylic laying around now because I'm seeing blue and a kind of a golden yellow and a light color that looks like an old bakelite color. And uh, yep. How many different colors do you have? I think it's eight. I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's eight. And it is incredibly difficult to keep straight because you've got different profiles. And, you know, a couple of them are just different in, in essence by length. So trying to keep that straight, you know, you get those mixed up and you're sitting there basically holding them up one to each other and uh, sorting for forever. So it's it's a nightmare keeping it all straight. <laughs> you'll start to go colorblind looking at all these different colors oh you do i'll tell you you start going through and it's it's i need a an 18 millimeter with this length of saddle and this you know and you go through with the caliper and you feel like you're looking forever and it's always you know obviously the last place you look which is you know obviously but it's always <laughs> the last possible place it could be is what it is you know it's not that it's the last place you look it's it literally couldn't be anywhere else i've looked everywhere and this is the last possible bag it could be in, and that's the bag, you know, every time. <laughs> We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more with Scott and get caught up on uh, some, of the, some of the more controversial things. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Scott Klein of Scott's Pipes. And the website is very easy. It's S-C-O-T-T-S-P-I-P-E-S.com, scottspipes.com. Um, you just got back from, uh, as we're recording this, you just got back from the Kansas City Pipe Show where I hear... Our uh, mutual friend Mike McNeil got all excited over one of your pipes and actually ordered four more from you. And those are those were the S. Klein designs, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. He came up. And we we've always had a great relationship, me and Mike, because I've known him, you know, over a decade now. And uh, he came up and he was looking at looking at all the pipes, and he kept picking up one specific one. And I looked at him and I just kind of smirked when he was holding at one point. He's like, well, all right, I'll go ahead. You know, and he, he laid down some money and I was like, oh, thanks, Mike. You know, I really appreciate it. And it was probably about four hours later, we were in the tent and he comes walking up and he's like, I'll take four more. And he, you know, he gave me the money and it was just like, oh, thanks, Mike. And he, he went on for a good while about how much he loved it. And it was, you know, it felt great because, you know, I know Mike's a really, really, really picky guy. So to hear him <laughs> say such great things and order, you know, 
five of the exact same thing even he was he was so happy with it he wanted the exact same one uh it was pretty cool yeah and picky is a nice way to call him what he really is uh (laughs) (laughs) and he's also kind of having fun now that he's out of the business he's kind of having fun being able to walk around and and look at pipes and appreciate the design and shape but yeah he sent me pictures of the first one and said you know oh man this is great i can't wait to get more so (laughs) so you so you may have a you may have a customer for a while yeah yeah he he did he looked great when he was at the show he looked like he was having the time of his life just walking around like oh it's great i don't have to do anything i'm not trying to sell nothing he was having a ball it was great (laughs) to see he finally found what he's good at doing nothing yeah Uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) he was made for retirement yeah you know yeah. So, all right. So, why the? I mean, let, let's let's jump into this subject, and we'll jump into it softly with uh, with kid <laughs> gloves, not to upset anybody. But you know, you were making your handmade pipes and selling them and doing stuff like that. Why go through the time and effort to set up a workshop and everything to deal with the burners and the S Klein designs? Well, you know, that's, I mean, there's, there's many, many aspects to that. Uh, One being that when you get to a certain point with your handmade art, there's only so far you can push it every, you know, every pipe is is better than the next. And and that's the case, but there's only so much you can push it so long. And so, you know, so, you know, every year you make, let's say 80, a hundred pipes and trying to, to top that one every single time, it gets really, really stressful. And one benefit of making a factory line is that you can put just a hair less thought into it and, and not in the sense that you're not concentrating or, or whatever, but, you know, if you're replicating, let's say 20 at a time, you only have to really think through the, the physics and the, and the shape of the first one. And then you're just kind of making sure that they all fall along that line and they're similar. So it gives you a little bit more breathing room and, and a little less stress as you go along and you're, you're able to kind of, you know, finish out a few more of the same thing uh it kind of gets me to a zen place so that's one benefit and then another is just that you know as the market is progressing there are a lot of new pipe makers and because of that you know sales do divide ever so slightly because if if you're not adding customers at let's say you know for every new pipe maker you have to add at least let's say 20 customers to support that pipe maker over a period of a year and if you're not able to add those 20 customers, then the market's basically just going to divide the, the sales amongst who's there. Yeah. Do you think that there was too many pipe makers at one point, or is there too many pipe makers now? You know, I, I do, and I'll be delicate as I say this. Not that, not that I would wish any of them to disappear. I love all the pipe makers coming to the scene. Every single one of them that I've met is is a, is a great. I've yet to meet a bad one. Uh, you know, this guy is a you know real Munson or whatever. You know, I, I don't meet any of those. They're all great guys, and and every single one seems to have some talent. So it's great to see, but at the same time, there there is a little too many, and it's because it is a luxury product, and and it's based on the demand of the market. Right now, the demand just isn't as you know with the vaping industry coming up. The demand is is just not as high as it once was, and that's not to say it's not coming back. And I believe it is, but you need to make sure supply and demand stay at a fair, fairly constant. And I think we've seen a little bit of a, you know, it's been a little bit weighted on one end or the other. 
You know, the demand was super high in the late 90s, early 2000s, and now the supply is a little high, and you're seeing the ramifications of that where we all go to the shows, and, and sales divide a little bit. And they're not horrible, but they're down, they're down. you know, let's say 10, 10 to 15% across the board for everybody because they've divided slightly amongst who's still here. So, you know, it's it's not it's not bad, but if, if it's not something some people are diligent or I'm not diligent, if they're not cautious and, you know, uh, conscientious, I guess is the right word, then uh, it could become a problem, but I think we're okay for now. We just need to remember that it's, you know, it's a finite market. So one of the questions that I've gotten recently, and I've, I don't think I've talked about it on the show, is people want to know how many, yeah, how many people are there that are full-time pipe makers? And I will tell you, you know, when I started doing the pipe shows back in 2000, 2001, there was, you know, at a Chicago pipe show, there might be 20 or 30 pipe makers that were there. There was mainly distributors and importers and retailers and collectors. Uh, but there was maybe 20, 25 pipe makers. And even at a at like a Richmond pipe show, there might have been five or six. And the, and the king of them all at that point was, of the American guys, was J.T. Cook. And then the fi- and then the Danes would come over, and then that was you know. But then you know you go back to the Chicago pipe shows of the last four or five years, and you might have two hundred, two hundred and fifty individual pipe makers that are there, uh, and they're all right. and and you're right, they're all making really good pipes. I think some of them get, uh, you know, I think there might have been a uh, a little bit of an issue with pushing prices too fast. And, you know, a couple of years ago, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's only a certain amount of buyers that are in that handmade high grade, you know, artisan pipe category. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's only so many people can be at the top and then there's only so many people can be in the middle. And that's, those numbers are, are determined by the demand and, you know, prices got real high because there were some guys just wanted to make sure they got to that price point before too many others did. And there's some that did it because, you know, maybe they they didn't necessarily. I mean, some of them I saw didn't even really have dealers or anybody to confirm that this is the price they should be charging. It was just how they felt. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a really good cook. But when I first started making pipes, I was terrible. I couldn't charge the same as I could at a restaurant. You know, I wasn't making the same per hour making pipes. But now I make way more than I would as a cook. So it's, it's, you've got to be real honest with yourself. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard, you know, because you put so much time and effort into something. So being realistic and honest with your pricing is, is a very interesting, I mean, it's a very hard thing to nail because you have to be super honest with yourself. You have to take your ego out of it. And it really has to just be about what is this piece of woodworks and what are people willing to pay? And I, I kind of look at it as, uh, you know, going through, going through museums and seeing the classic great artists, there's a, you know, there's Rembrandt and then there's a whole bunch of other people. Uh, and then there's Picasso and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, you know, there's only a few that become the greats and can demand or demand that kind of money. But the other thing that I think, and this is where you're, so you've, you've technically got four, different lines of pipes you've got the burners the s-cline design the handcrafted and then you've got your s-cline handmaids that are just drop dead gorgeous beautiful sexy you know 
and so on. Well, thank you. Um, but your handcrafteds kind of fit into a price range where also 20 years ago you had pipe companies besides Peterson and Savinelli. You also had Stanwell with a good presence. You had uh, GBD and Kamoy's pipes with a good presence. Uh, you had a whole bunch of factory pipes, and now uh, I guess we've kind of replaced that price range with like your handcrafteds, and I'll even say it with you know some of the stuff that Briarworks is doing. Uh, is that fair to kind of fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's exactly what we were thinking when we when we created the line. It was we're trying to offer something that's competitive, but not enough to you know nothing. If, if I charge $40 for that pipe, it would almost ruin the pipe, you know, the pipe market because maybe not by myself and, and me, this lonely, you know, pipe maker, but it would just, it, it's not good for the market. You know, you can't offer something of extreme value or very good value for nothing. You know, it has to, it has to correlate to what you're, what you're offering. So for the price point and the quality and, and the aesthetic, you're getting, you know, you're getting something that's super competitive, but not not meant to, you know, ruin the market. <laughs> yeah, but it is, but it is interesting because, uh, you know, you were kind enough to donate one of your handcrafteds to our auction uh, six months ago, and the guy that won it reported back that, you know, that's his, that's really the first time he's stepped up into that price range, and he absolutely loves the pipe. Uh, oh, great! But I didn't the, know that. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, and and at the same time, you know, you're. <laughs> Where, where do your S Klein pipes start out at price wise? Cause you know, that's a whole nother big step up. Yeah, absolutely. So the S Klein designs are, we're trying to make it so that every pipe is $95 period. And most of them to this date, we've only had two cause the first batch we, we ordered the, the average grade wood. Most of them came in really, really beautiful, but all needed sandblast so we haven't had an opportunity to make smooths but the goal is to make it so that every sandblast pipe is 95 and every smooth is 100 and it never goes above 100 dollars, depending no matter the shape and if it gets to a point where i can't afford to you know provide this pipe at that price it'll just be in the handcrafted category but the goal is to never go above 100 dollars on that pipe and then your uh, your your super fancy handmaids uh, are you getting much time to, to make them anymore? You know, I do because with the factory stuff, you have a lot of downtime. Well, not, I wouldn't say a lot. You have, you have a good amount of downtime in between, you know, you, you do a process to say 20 pipes. You're not about to pick it right back up and do the next process. You need a little bit of a break, you know? So that's where it kind of provides a little bit of a buffer. I can do one process here and then set that aside for a little bit, give my, give my hands a break on the factory stuff because it's a little bit more labor intensive and, and strenuous on the hands and then go to the handmade, you know, make a stem. And then when I'm done with that, I can, I can revert back to working on the, the factory stuff. So I really do get a good amount of time throughout the day. You know, if I work, let's say 10 hours, two hours of it is spent making handmaids at least. And it really has made a big difference in the overall quality. Every pipe I do, um, I'm setting it aside for, you know, two to four hours and, and I have time to think about it. And where do I want to go next with this? And, and there's absolutely no pressure to finish that pipe. And having zero pressure to finish a pipe, I wouldn't thought, I would not have thought it made so much difference on my 
overall aesthetic <laughs> and the finished quality and the, the design and, and my ability to be creative, but it really does. It really gives me the chance to like, you know, let me think on that for a little bit and then come back and it's like, yeah, one more millimeter here and that cheek looks really cute versus just nice. You know, it's, it's things like that. So I really think it's made a big difference in the fact that, yeah, my output is like, is probably about half, you know, not going to lie. It's probably about half of what it used to be, but the quality seems, I mean, to me has seemingly gone up. I, I really love them lately. So you kind of get a, you, you get a chance to get away from it and clear your head and then come back to that, that, the, the fancy handmade and look at it all new again and go back again and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier to make everything new and exciting when, when you have a lot more time in between each time you're doing each one, you know, it's, it's been really great. And the uh, a lot of positive effects across the board, actually. And, and is it just, is it just you and you and your fiance that are doing these or do you have other people helping you? No, we want to hire some people at some point pretty soon here, but so far it's just me and Megan. She does the vast majority of our blasting and she has gotten very good at it. I'm, I'm really happy with her. She's, she's just really taken to it and she puts on her headphones and zens out and, and listens to, you know, books on tape or music. And, you know, she just sits there and has a ball doing it. And, you know, people love hearing it and she goes to the shows and she knows what she's talking about. She, she knows pipes fairly well now, so it's it's really great. And and the other thing that I love about her is she I, is she still active in roller derby, or did she kind of retire from it? No, she's still active. She hasn't skated in a little bit because she had a she had a really horrible foot foot surgery. It was it was terrible. They had to saw into her heel and oh, take a tendon from between her toes and oh. replace it by where her you know the one that was by her heel. And oh. so the recovery was over a year. You know, and even now she's still easing back into it. But we're going up in two weeks. She's going to a derby event in Washington D.C., and I'm going to a pipe show in Richmond. And uh, when I'm done with the pipe show, I go up and I get to you know see her. But she's not going to be competing. She's going to be. Uh, I don't know if she's judging on the bench or if she's just sitting on the bench. <laughs> but I know she's she's involved in some capacity, and she's absolutely still a part of it. It's just a matter of you know getting her back on skates and and good and steady again because your her balance was just it's like starting from scratch you know almost like starting as a toddler you have to you have to build it all back up from scratch so she is a disney fanatic if you ever do get a chance to meet her at a pipe show just understand that she's not a delicate princess because <laughs> I mean, this, is, <laughs> this is roller derby and hearing her talk about it scared me to death i got hurt just sitting there listening to her oh yeah i do too <laughs> I do. See, I tell her all the time. It's like, man, it scares scare crap out of me. You know, I feel like I'd be the guy though. You know, I'd get out there and I'd be, I'd be all confident, bravado, you know, chest out, and I'd get whacked one time from the side, and you know, I'd, I'd go down like a, like a house of cards, man. <laughs> and and cart you off in the ambulance, and away you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good in a, in a, in a on your feet sport and things like that. I'm great, but you know. You put me in that position. I mean, even football, I'm a small guy. I'd get destroyed, but, you know, I can do sports, but that's just, that's, that's a, I'm for sure getting injured. You know? <laughs> uh, Throw and, a knee, you know? And the, and the future is that you guys are getting married and then it'll be, uh, she'll be the complete boss of everything and you'll have nothing to say. 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, she's great. She's she, you know we've we've got a pretty pretty fair and even relationship. It's it's she's you know she's always always open to hear what I have to say and vice versa. And, but yeah, we're planning on getting married June of next year as long as everything keeps going well. And you know she's been doing real estate. She's she's been killing it. So if anybody ever needs to buy a home in Nashville, give me a call and I'll I'll set you up with her and she'll she'll take care of you. There you go. You could move there. She'll sell you a house, and then you could go to work for Scott, and he can teach you how to make pipes and uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's the sweetest person you ever meet. She she's never met a stranger. She can you know as soon as she meets you, your your friends, and she'll talk your ear off. So it's great. Except if you put her in skates, she'll knock you over. Yeah, yeah. She really does too. The first time I went to a match, she. <laughs> It was a little intimidating, you know, she was, she was all dressed up and she had all this, you know, the pads on and, you know, they all get, you know, pumped up almost like, you know, a boxer gets pumped up before a fight. So she came over and she was all business and was like, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go sit in the stands. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to hide behind the fence, please. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to go sit and watch from a distance, you know, have fun. (laughs) uh scott we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready quick answers sure whatever comes to your mind okay what is your favorite pipe uh probably my first florov which was a birthday gift from him uh two years in a year in it's a little blowfish love it what is your favorite tobacco or like golden sliced to this day i don't know what it is love it aged what is your favorite drink uh captain morgan and coke uh, which isn't you know isn't the most gentlemanly or you know worldly drink but i love it and red wine i'll tell you what a good bottle of red wine but i can't afford it so we'll go with captain and coke <laughs> When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A movie. Absolutely. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory in the last five years or so? Seven years? (laughs) You know, probably I would say when I was visiting Alex Florov for the first time after coming back from Nashville we sat and smoked a pipe in his backyard and it was really nice. He brought out H tobacco and Vera had some, uh, you know, she had some snacks for us and it was, it was really pleasant. Sounds like fun. Uh, Scott, I will see you, uh, this weekend at the Richmond show. I hope we see a whole bunch of people there this weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, Yeah. This weekend. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Looking forward to seeing you and, uh, checking out your pipes. Thanks, Brian. Looking forward to it. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. 
using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And make, sure, make sure and check out everything that Scott's doing. Look for him at your local retailer, wherever you buy pipes. All right, for music, I got a suggestion from Jess, and Jess wrote, uh, Brian, I have a music suggestion. Once I Was Loved by Melody, G-A-R-D-O-T, so I'm going to pronounce it Gardot. Uh, she's a modern jazz singer with a lot of vintage sensibility, and her voice is like silk. Uh, he said, it's 11.20 p.m., I'm about to head to bed, but I'm sitting here in my den with the lights dim and crickets outside, and some Davison Sons 1865 curling up out of my bowl, and her on the surround sound system. And I'm sleepy, but I don't want to leave because I'm, I'm mesmerized. There we go, I can speak and read English too. Uh, he goes on to say uh, she's got a lot of pipe relaxation friendly tunes, but this tune is probably my favorite. Have a great night, and I will see you in Richmond soon. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, so this is uh, Jess, uh, suggested by Jess. This is Melody Gardot, Once I Was Loved. After the years gone 
What amounts to the years in a life? What have we come to when we reach our final days? If we can surrender, and that is enough. Again, that's Melody Gardot, G-A-R-D-O-T. And I, I always like it when the artist tastefully pans from left to right on a stereo, so I can see how that would be just really cool on uh, surround sound. And uh, and she does it really well. Tuesday, Monday. You've got mail. Tuesday, Wednesday. You've got mail. Thursday, Friday. You've got mail. In the mailbag, a couple of things to get caught up on. And remember, if you have comments or questions, uh, music suggestions, listeners, uh, guest suggestions, if you have an Ask the Pipe Maker question, email them directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine. And uh, I promise I'll do a better job of skimming through those because, like this one that I found from uh, two weeks ago, uh, Renfield writing in response to William Shue of Snow Three Year Pipes, uh, Renfield said an enlightening and interesting interview. Once again, Brian has highlighted the truly global nature of our hobby. Over the years, we've heard from carvers, growers, blenders, smokers, tobacconists, and collectors from all over the planet. Always interesting, always entertaining, and always well done. Much appreciated. The show is a fixture in my week. No, not that kind of fixture. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the show has a nice flush and a good aftertaste. 
Um, no, I do appreciate that. And, and it is, it's a, it's a global community. And, you know, through this show, I've met people from all around the world. And when we, uh, when we travel, it's hard for me to not want to just hang out with you guys and, you know, do stuff like that. Uh, and then, uh, on iTunes, if you could please go to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review and five stars, that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's been a, been a little bit since we got one, but, this one comes from Das Effect, and it's titled The Heavy Aromatic of Pipe Podcasts. And he writes, I'm assuming it's a he, uh, starts off pleasant, falls a little flat, but strangely leaves you wanting more. Jokes aside, this podcast is great. Always good information, great guest interviews, and a warm welcome. It gives our hobby a nice sense of community, and Brian's self-deprecating humor keeps things running smoothly. And I'll tell you, that's not humor. <laughs> that's me. Um, yeah, I, sound, I remember. I'm, I'm a legend in my own mind, and I look much better in audio only. Um, and again, if you, have, if you can, go over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that. If you are on Stitcher and want to do the same thing, that would be absolutely wonderful as well because uh, Stitcher does the same thing. Uh, the more ratings and reviews, the further up in the listings everything goes and everybody's happier, including me, as if I'm ever really happy. Uh, but yeah, it's been a while since we've had a review on Stitcher. In fact, I think we've only got um, five there. Um, no, I take that back. Seven. Let's see what we've got. Uh, the most recent one is from Phil, a.k.a. P. Jer. Uh, and he, he writes, great show. Always a great show, Brian. Mucho kudos to you. And please continue to fight to keep our pipe smoking fraternity strong. And that, yeah, that's a good reminder to make sure and share the show out. Make sure and share it with all your friends on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And, uh, you know, make sure and get out there and smoke your pipes out in public, especially now as we've got fall. You know, now we've now we've got the autumnal equinox behind us. Uh, and then Bill from Auburn writes, "Thanks, Brian, for the podcast. I look forward to your show every week. I've listened to almost all of them over the past year. Hope to see you one day at a pipe show. And I'll just please no more than one or two shows per day, please. All right, in uh, just a moment, a rave." This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Big shout out and a big skull to the people of Norway. Why? Well, because the people of Norway are not afraid to hide from their history. 
Uh, for one, I, on our recent trip, uh, one of the tours that we took went to three different museums of ships. Uh, started off with Viking ships that were, you know, 900 to 1,000 years old. And then the second stop was at the Fram Museum, F-R-A-M. And the Fram was the ship that Roald Amundsen sailed to, uh, attempted to sail to the North Pole and down to the South Pole. When you're on this tour and you're taking the tour and you're actually going through the entire ship, they have the cabins of each one of all the people on the ship set up the way they would have been. And inside the cabins were pipes. Yes, that's right, pipes. In fact, I posted on Facebook a picture of Amundsen's cabin that had a what looked like a little pipe and a tin of Bell's Three Nuns, none, none other than the original. No, I could not check to see if it was full because the because the cabin was protected by plexiglass. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I would have been all over that tin like white on rice. Um, you know, the, but again, not afraid to show that, yes, these men did smoke pipes and they smoked pipes while they were on the seas. Each one of the cabins, most of them had a little pipe sitting out on the little desk that they had, including pipes sitting out on the, uh, uh, on the buffet table thing that they had, uh, for the kitchen. And there was even some discussion in the audio narration about how pipe smoking was a bit controversial and it's at one point was only limited to the galley area. So a big scold to the people of Norway for, you know, not ignoring the fact that people 100 years ago like to smoke a pipe, just like people today like to smoke a pipe and shouldn't be afraid to do it. Uh, if you want to hear me talk more about travel or you think you're, you haven't had enough of me, uh, last week, one of the uh, one of the two episodes that I pre-recorded with Bo York for the Country Squire Radio aired. I'm not sure if the next one's coming out this week or not. I don't know. But anyway, if you want to hear that, uh, and you don't, if you don't listen to Country Squire Radio, you should anyway. Uh, but you can tune into that. And we talk about uh, pipe smoking in the Caribbean and the difference between the Caribbean Ocean and Pirates of the Caribbean or the Caribbean Ocean. Anyway, uh, check out Country Squire Radio, and you'll hear me talk more about travel. If you are planning on doing any kind of travel, reach out to me first, brian.levine at mei-travel.com, and I'll give you free advice, and if you use me to book your trip, it won't cost you any more anyway. All right, I want to thank Scott Klein for joining me again. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope to see a lot of you this weekend in Richmond. Until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Michael Jordan plays ball, Charles Manson kills people, I talk.
Everyone has a talent. 